Okay, I'm going to be honest. I genuinely had no ideas for the topic of this episode, but I kind of just settled on, I was looking through like notes on my phone because I type a lot like um, before therapy, kind of what I want to talk about in therapy and then after therapy. um, And then I've also taken notes from like certain podcasts I've listened to that I really like. Um, So I'm kind of going to stick with the topic growth through anxiety, which I just think this is super prevalent in my life. And I know that anxiety takes different shapes. And I think I kind of just want to address those because obviously, once again, while I don't have super extensive like school knowledge, like educational knowledge, I think I do have a place. I come from a place of understanding just because I've battled anxiety for a while. And because I go to therapy and take medication for it, I think, like, I can just kind of discuss, like, how that's helped me and how it might help you. Because, honestly, I was the type of person who was like, I'm I'm never going to go to therapy. Like, I don't need that. I'm fine. And then being being diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and ADHD, um, my psychiatrist was like, well, now that you're on medication, you probably should talk to someone, like, even if you don't think you need to, like, I really just recommend talking to someone, and I never would have thought that anxiety would be, or not anxiety, therapy would be one of the things that I most look forward to during the week, like, I love it, like, I have a, I have a session today, and I'm just so excited, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about, because I feel like I had a really good week, Um, I definitely feel like I get the most out of it on my really bad weeks, but I think even on the good weeks, it's just good to process through things and honestly just talk to somebody about it. So yeah, let's, let's just dive in. I have my chai latte and oh my gosh, it's literally like 50 degrees outside and it feels so much colder. It's amazing. Um, so yeah, I'm wearing leggings and a hoodie and I've got a little Sherpa blanket, so yeah, it's fall and it makes me so happy. It's just so cozy. Anyway. Okay. So I have a couple notes, but I'm kind of just going to wing it. I feel like I said that last week and then it turned into like an hour episode, but I'm going to try my best to keep it short. I feel like this topic is pretty straightforward. I could, I could talk about it for forever. I could, I could probably talk about anything for forever, but yeah, let's just, let's get into it. Okay. So first, you have to kind of identify for yourself what makes you anxious. Like just thinking about it and like trying to, because I'm the type of person who really like when I listen to things or read things, like I really try to apply it to my life just so that I get the most out of it. Um, And so if you're trying to think about anxiety in your life, even if you're not diagnosed with anxiety, everybody is gets anxious at some point and I think like now I've I've done some studies in um in HDFS that have talked about um just how much worse anxiety like like anxiety has just kind of skyrocketed since 2020 and the whole like like for me, I never thought of myself as needing people like physically until they were taken away. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, what is this? I can't, I need people. 
And um, I, I honestly think I would have never come to that conclusion without COVID. So in a lot of ways, I think it has made me appreciate more just being around people. But going back to the topic of just daily anxiety, weekly anxiety, however anxiety may look for you, even if it's just a couple anxious moments every now and then, we still struggle with anxiety. And for me, it's always been something that I felt I never had control over. And if you think that, that's that's not true. Like you do have control over it to some extent. Um, obviously it's gonna look different for different people, but um, I, I don't know, I guess, what makes me anxious specifically is just like lack of control like the whole idea of lack of control of like like in my life in in aspects like life events and other things just like physical control i don't know i don't know i think it's really just the feeling that i don't have control over events that happen on a daily basis, like what people are thinking about me, school relationships, that sort of thing. Like there's just certain things that we're just never going to have control over that. I'm just never going to have control over. And, um, and I think that it's kind of, my anxiety has kind of manifested itself through this whole idea that I have to be perfect. And so when I don't have control over something and something goes badly or even if I do have like part control over something and it goes like just thinking about like team sports like I I definitely have control issues when it comes to that because I can be a ball hog like just because I mean but also looking at the other side of it I tend to doubt myself a lot so it really just depends on the situation like a lot of times I'll go into volleyball and be like well I'm not worthy to like hit like set up for a hit or whatever. And so I'm just like not even going to try. But that type of mindset is just super negative and can really affect other people around you just I have seen in my personal life. And so being able to not only identify your anxiety, but try trying different methods of coping is, I mean, I've just seen how, how much that has helped me. And there are like, physical action steps that you can take um for physical reactions to anxiety like symptoms of anxiety um and then there's more of a like a mental a mental state so let's let's get into that um trying to navigate my notes because they're kind of all over the place um don't just sit back and watch what life does to you. Like, I think anxiety for me is not like sitting back and watching and just being anxious about that. I think it's more of the like needing to take control just because, but in a sense, depending on the thing, I would also say that like, I can tend to be like, I don't even want to get involved because I, I have this fear of messing up that like, I'm just going to let you do it. Like you, you do it, you mess up, that's on you. And like, I don't even want to, I don't even want to try. And I don't know, that can be, that can be harmful. That can, I mean, not only in, in a lot of cases, that's selfish. I mean, I know, but 
also like where are you going to get in life like how are you going to grow if you're truly not putting yourself in situations where you will have anxiety because honestly you're never going to i mean think about think about when people say like oh my gosh like that was so courageous that was so brave of you like there had to have been some sort of fear or anxiety in a situation for somebody to say that that was really brave you know so like there has to be some sort of like risk there and that can be super like anxiety inducing like honestly like not being able to control is scary and i think a lot of what has helped me is just realizing that there is a greater sense of power that I just will never have but then like I think that that should comfort me more than it does but I don't know if it's more of the like I just I understand that you know because I believe that my future ultimately lies in the hands of Jesus and I think I don't know if it's more of like I'm a I'm addressing that in terms of like yes I I am aware Um, and I'm just not truly believing it. And that's why I still feel like very little comfort in that sense. But I think it is truly something that you have to navigate yourself. If you do truly believe that control lies within you, like you're going to mess up. That's just inevitable. And to think that it's like, I don't know how to word this. I guess like kind of all or nothing sense like it's either gonna you're, you're gonna succeed or you're gonna fail um a lot of times you have to fail to one not only like feel the like impact success has on you but also in a sense of just growing through failure because honestly that's something that's really hard and I've really struggled with but I think in terms of having a lot of anxiety for things that are going to happen in the future i have to just ask myself like how is being anxious going to change the events that are going to happen like it's not like my anxiety and my fear about a situation is not going to change the actual outcome of the situation like that's just not in my control and um and so instead of asking myself like okay like what's gonna go wrong in this situation i think it's been super helpful for me to ask kind of like what's gonna go right like if this happens like what could go right and i don't think it's a bad thing to address both sides like i definitely don't think it's a bad thing to be like okay well this could go wrong but i think it's super important to also realize that there is a side that could go right and while it could have been planned way before your time and it was always destined to fail um, or things go wrong and you just have no control. It's almost for me, I look at it as more of like, it's better for me in the moment because anxiety is so like, I, I used to refer to my physical anxiety as just like crippling. Like it, like it makes me want to just like my really super Like when I have panic attacks, when I'm super, super anxious and I get really shaky, like I just want to curl up in a ball, 
close everybody out and just cry. And like, I know that's really depressing sounding, but that's honestly the truth of it. Like anxiety is crippling, especially if you let it take control, but you have the power to overcome that. And I think that that is such a good reminder just for myself, just because I know I struggle with that. And to realize that like the inevitable is inevitable and I can't control the events that are going to happen. And I can control though, however, though, however, that doesn't make any sense. I can't control, however, my reaction to situations and going back a little bit, even I can control what I think and how I think about the situations that's going to happen. So I think a lot of it plays into the actual event, but I think the root of my anxiety in situations is the whole like thinking about it, especially like I'm the type of person who's like, if I have to do something hard and I know it's going to be hard and I might fail or things might go wrong, I very much am like, let's just do it. Like, let's get it over with instead of me just sitting and waiting for it to happen. Because if I sit and wait for it, and I think that ADHD plays a lot into this, is like, I can't physically do anything else until I get that done. And so thinking about it, having longer time to think about it, like if I have a whole day to think about something that I know is going to be really stressful in the moment for me, I will work myself up about it, which will just make the time I'm actually in this situation just a heck of a lot worse. And so I, and I also think that while people aren't watching you, like they're worrying more about themselves, I do think depending on the situation that people do like notice how you react to things, especially the people who are closest to you, like people are going to watch. And I don't, I don't say that to be like, people are watching you, like better choose your choose your path of anxiety right like not not like that just like knowing that people are gonna be aware if you have this whole freak out and like I know that sometimes you can't control that and a lot of times like like the mentalness of anxiety and the like the way that your brain is just wired sometimes you don't have a lot of control, but I do think even if it's in a small sense, I do think that you do have some control. So another thing that's really helped me, um, just because I, once again, like, like I said, a lot of things play into this, but I, I also think that the fact that I'm not naturally optimistic doesn't help. Um, because my initial reaction to thinking about situations is, oh, that's going to be bad or, oh, that's going to go horribly wrong or, you know, that sort of thing, which can just cause a little spiraling effect um, in terms of, I don't know, like before the actual event. And so what I found really helpful for me is shifting statements. So, um, So if you think about a lot of anxiety in terms of what other people think that can be that can be really hard to navigate because like I struggle with not knowing my worth a lot not realizing or seeing my worth like knowing that I have worth but not understanding that fully and I think that I, that's going to be something I always struggle with like I think that um some people are just naturally just super confident and like my sister and 
while that's amazing and I love her for it, I just don't think I will ever be at a place where I can like confidently be super confident in my own abilities. Not just even for the reason of like, oh, other people, like I'm not going to live up to other people. It's just purely for like, like me, like I disappoint myself. And that can be really hard and really challenging, especially when you are your, I don't know, just like biggest competition. I don't know. Like, I feel like I have these battles within my own head that um, the negative ends up winning a lot of the time. And that can be, that can be really not only super bad to your mental health and just affect your own life, that can also affect a lot of other people's lives, especially the ways you express your anxiety and like what anxiety could potentially turn into. So here are some shifting statements. Obviously, you navigate them um, how you want to and how they apply to you. But here are a couple that I have down. So first off, the statement, I'm not pretty. There's a lot of reasons why you might be saying this to yourself. I say this to myself, even if it's like subconsciously, like I don't, I'm not aware of like, oh, like I'm looking in the mirror and be like, oh, you're ugly. Like there's sometimes I'll just be like, wow, I just don't feel pretty today. But in realizing that that is valid, that's a valid feeling, whether or not somebody made you feel like that, um, just shifting that statement from I'm not pretty, I'm not beautiful, I'm ugly to I am beautiful and valued. Um, just the act of, I believe, telling yourself, um, like being aware, like even if you do have subconscious thoughts that kind of turn into more conscious thoughts, for instance, I feel like that's that's kind of broad. For instance, um, I will be sitting down in class and I'll notice, what I don't know, I'm very hyper aware. So there's a lot of things that I notice. But specifically about myself, I'll notice the way that I am sitting. And I think a lot of times that reflects my confidence. And in certain situations, I can be super confident and feel like myself and others. I just am not. And so I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, okay, like, how are my hands positioned? How are my legs positioned? Like, I'll just be like, again, super hyper aware. Um, And then that kind of like manifests into a okay well I am not sitting in the correct position everybody else is going to notice me and then like I don't know it takes different forms depending on my surroundings but it could eventually spiral into the I am nothing I have no value that I mean that's really extreme and thankfully I would say lately it hasn't gotten to that point for me. But if it does, just being aware of that thought, um, being aware that you're thinking that way, even if it's you're not expressing that like verbally, um, is I think it's just really important to actively tell yourself like I am beautiful. I am valued. Um, And also like what you put your value in. Like if your value, if you're taking your value um, and you're putting it into what you wear, how you act, that sort of thing, you're never you're always going to have people that don't like you. And also like taking your value from things like that ultimately I think are going to let you down. Um, So like for me in my spiritual walk, I think the most important thing for me to say to myself is just I am valued in God's eyes. Like no matter what anybody else thinks, I know I ultimately am loved by him because 
his love is unaltering. And I think that that is really comforting to just actively say that. Um, okay, another one, I think these all are very similar, but another one's I'm not liked. So just shifting that to I am overwhelmingly loved. Um, another one, I don't have friends. Shifting that to I have been given amazing people who love and support me. Um, I won't get to live my dream. Shifting that to I have the power to get good grades, get into college, be able to fulfill my goals, and eventually live my dream. I don't have the power to control my life. And turning that into I have been given the power to take over and be the author of my own story. Um, That could also kind of, again, it really depends on what you believe. Um, But I think it could kind of shift into instead of like, I don't have the power, like instead of trying to give yourself the power, just realizing that the power is not in your control. And also if you don't believe in God or that there is a higher power, um, just shifting it to like realizing the situations that you do have control in and the situations that you don't have control in and reminding yourself like, I don't have control and that's okay. And the fact that I don't have control means that I don't have to worry about it. And I know that like, for me, the the idea of not having control just makes me more anxious. So that's not super comforting to be like, I don't have control. But I think that you can tell yourself like, while I don't have control over this aspect of the situation, I do have control over how I act, um, how I treat people, how I respond, you know, that sort of thing. Um, just reminding yourself in a situation what you do and you don't have control over. Um, another one, this is really applies to today's topic. Um, my anxiety controls my life. That is something that I tell myself often because I get into this headspace of like, okay, my anxiety has really manifested in like into super, like it can, it can manifest into depression. I would say for the most part, for me, it it manifests itself in depression. Um, That's being like, I don't know, that being when I don't, when I'm not actively aware that I am honestly freaking myself out and causing myself to be anxious. And if I'm not like noticing that thought or feeling of anxiety and taking it and being like, okay, well, I know that I don't have this control, but I do have this control. Like, I don't know, just being actively aware again, like I've discussed, I feel like I've said that a million times, but just again, just being actively aware of um, the situation and the control that you do and don't have, but shifting that my anxiety controls my life to my anxiety is trying to control me, but I won't let it because I am confident in who I am. That is that just gives me chills just thinking about that. That's not my own quote. That's a Lexi quote. Shout out to Lexi. Um, but I just love that. And also, I feel like not only just reminding yourself in your head, like I definitely think that that's super helpful. Um, being actively mentally aware. I also think that when you notice a phrase like really resonate with you, writing it down. like for somewhere like put it somewhere that you can see um it does or it doesn't have to be for anybody you can just write it for yourself um in a notebook just the act of like writing it down i feel like 
for me at least helps things stick um for a little bit longer so anyway those are a couple shifting phrases obviously there's a lot more but and they don't all have to be super black and white um but just realizing that you have the power to control your anxiety to some extent again i know that that is kind of a controversial topic just because a lot of people rely heavily on medicine to solve all of their mental issues um and some people are very against medicine so it honestly it's that's totally up to you like take what you will from that but um another thing that i found really helpful is to actively forgive myself because like i said i'm my harshest critic like i I am very aware of all of the times that I mess up and I'm very quick to remember those um, and less quick to also realize the aspects of my life where I have succeeded, in the situations I've succeeded, in small places where I've succeeded and being able to actively realize that they are there too and not just the here's how I failed thoughts. Um, but also forgiving yourself for for little things that could cause you a lot of anxiety. And um, like for me, it would be procrastinating. Like I feel that I definitely work super well under pressure, but a lot of times I'll see an assignment and be like, I just don't wanna do that till the end when I really should have given myself a week to complete it. Um, and so just, and I know that that in the moment caused me a lot of anxiety and, can cause me to go into a depressive state if I really just kind of replay the whole, I, I'm not good enough. I, these are the ways I failed, like just changing that to like, I forgive myself for this week of slacking off. And maybe you don't see that as acceptable, um, on a daily basis for you. And that can turn more into, I forgive myself for maybe not having the best, most productive week but i'm gonna strive for that next week but also giving yourself the space and room like and grace just to like grow in that and um realize that you can definitely strive for perfection but ultimately you'll never be able to achieve perfection um and like that is so hard for me like just thinking about it like thinking about that statement alone like i I'm like, yeah, of course, like I'll never be able to be perfect. But when I really sit down and think about the ways that that looks in my life, that I just never even recognized as me trying to strive for perfection, that gets really like, dang, like, wow, I've never thought about it like that. Like I'll sit down and be like, this assignment needs to look gorgeous. And it manifests itself into, especially when I spend hours on it, it'll manifest itself into, okay, it really has to be perfect. And then I'll look at it a million times, notice all of my flaws and hate it. And I don't know. Um, that can, again, look very different for different people. But just the act of forgiving yourself, like, I think it's so important. Like, I, as, as important as gratitude is, I think forgiveness is also really important in your own life. And obviously in other people's lives too, like forgiving and giving grace and being thankful for other people, but realizing that you've made it this far and that's a huge accomplishment. 
And even if you hit some bumps on the way to be able to actively forgive yourself and be thankful for where you are, that's, that's huge growth. Um, so this is a little paragraph I wrote for myself after listening to a podcast where she was like, go right now with a journal, sit down and write down all of the ways you forgive yourself this week. Um, so this was November 17th, 2021. So almost a year ago, I wrote, I forgive myself for slacking off in school. I forgive myself for cheating. I forgive myself for sleeping in. I forgive myself for not responding to messages. I forgive myself for not always being motivated. I forgive myself for falling back into sin when I'm told not to. Like that that sort of idea of these are all the ways that someone could look at my life and be like, you have failed to be able to forgive yourself. Even in the hardest, most, like they... It could be super personal. You don't have to share that with anyone. But forgiving yourself for some of the hardest things that you've gone through and some of the biggest mistakes that you've made is so important. And honestly, that takes time and a lot of healing. But I definitely see a lot of significance in the act of just saying that to yourself, even if it isn't just written down, but just actively sitting here right now. Like, what are all the ways in your eyes that you messed up this week? and forgive yourself for that because you are shown grace if it's if you don't believe in a higher power like i do i believe that i am given a ton of grace through jesus but other people can show you that same idea of grace although it's not perfect you deserve to give that to yourself so i kind of wanted to end this episode on um anxiety and panic attacks anxiety that's the whole topic episode no panic attacks because that is probably one of the most common ways that we see severe anxiety in other people's lives or our own um for me i've experienced lots of panic attacks and up until just recently i was never able to cope with panic attacks nobody was ever able to help me like it was just kind of this if I have a panic attack, just let me suffer type of thing. But I want to remind you that that you don't have to. Like, while it, it is really easy to wallow in your anxiety and to let it manifest itself into a physical, really super deeply emotional state, that's okay. But you don't have to live in that because that honestly is miserable. And if you do have severe anxiety, um, you've been diagnosed with severe anxiety, or you just have anxiety on a daily basis that can sometimes manifest itself into panic attacks, that's still, that sucks. And you shouldn't have to go through that and constantly, like, constantly deal with that and just assume that, like, when you do have anxious thoughts or you are about to have a panic attack, that it's just going to be that way and it's never going to get better because that's not true. And I think that that was in a lot of ways, the ways I viewed my panic attacks at first. So I am going to actually pull up an article that is on the Guild Gazette. Um, Also, here's a little secret. Don't tell anybody, but I am working on a website right now. Honestly, I don't have the time, but I'm on break. I'm on fall break. So I am, it's my hope that I'll get a website up and running to have all my articles and 
podcast episodes and music and I guess just all of the ways that I express myself um, up for people to kind of navigate and see how that could potentially help within their own lives. So, okay, why is it not? I'm, I'm going to have to go into the Instagram and find it this way. I don't know why. Okay. So if you want to go to the Guild Gazette website and read some of our articles, it's www. Oh my gosh, I can't speak. It's www.guildgazette.com, which is was not what I was typing. So it's very specific. Like you have to type in that exact um, address. Okay. Actually, this is going to take forever to find. Hang on. I'm going to come back to this. Okay. I'm back. I got it pulled up. And if you want to read along, um, like I said before, it's www.guildgazette.com. And I had to go, I had to click articles and go to authors. And then if you scroll all the way down, I'm one of the last ones. And the article is named Panic Attacks, How to Identify How to Cope and How to Help. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I'm just going to kind of list a couple things. Um, that might apply to you if this is something that you struggle with. So I think a lot of this I've just learned from therapy. Like, honestly, one of the best ways to identifying your mental health issues and not only doing that, but learning to how to cope with them and how to grow through them is just, you're just going to find that. I think, I definitely don't think it's only therapy, but I think for me at least, therapy was the biggest thing that kind of got me started on my whole growth journey. Um, Obviously, I'm still on it, but yeah. Anyway, okay. So panic attacks, just like anxiety, um, can look very different for a lot of people. Like for someone who struggles with panic attacks, it could look like a It could look like just shaking sort of thing. Um, A lot of times I would say the most often panic attacks are very, for me at least, very physical. So when I have a panic attack, most likely I cry. That's, That's one of the biggest indicators. I also shake, but I also get really like I can't sit still. I have to run around. I also like, this is like interesting. I don't know if this is common for people with panic attacks, but I'll like shake my hands out um like clench my fists really really tight and then shake my hands out and I'll just like kind of repeatedly do that um that's another indicator also not being able to catch my breath not being able to formulate words that's that those are some of the most severe symptoms I would say um again this can look different for different people but I would say for someone who does experience those just breathe. Like the biggest thing for me is like, usually this is when this shout out to Miss Cooper. I, she uses this diagram in my U.S. history class about the brain and kind of how it works. Um, and so basically just envision a fist is your brain. So like cup your fingers, like in, into your hand, that's your brain. Your thumb is tucked inside When your lid flips, which is usually the state of a really, like pretty much any panic attack, your lid will flip and you go from this logical thinking brain or to using that side of your brain to a very erratic, like it's almost, my therapist describes it as fight or flight. 
in the moment. So if we, if we perceive like um, threat, it'll alert our brains into flipping into panic mode, basically lid flipped as Miss Cooper likes to say. Um, and that can be really scary for people like me um, because a lot of times you'll be told like, just calm down, like just think, think this through. But a lot of times the act of telling someone to calm down is actually more harmful than beneficial. And so for yourself, I would say breathe first and foremost, just if that is the only thing on your mind, I have found that usually all of the thoughts of how to cope with a panic attack leave me as soon as I have a panic attack, except for the act of breathing. Because for me, I can't catch my breath when I'm having a panic attack. Like I can't breathe. And um, and so like reminding yourself, like you can breathe, you do have air, take a deep, slow breath, even if no one's there, being able to walk yourself through the whole breathing. Um, I have a breathing technique that's another article um, that kind of walks through square breathing. It's basically, the concept is basically four breaths or not four breaths, but four seconds of inhale, four seconds of holding, four seconds of exhale, four seconds of holding. So, and that's just kind of a, that'll not only help like rhythm wise, um, I also think it'll help kind of center yourself and just being aware of your your energy and what's affecting it. Um, a lot of times during panic attacks, you're in a situation that you can't get out of, which is really scary, especially when you have a lot of people around you who don't know how to cope with panic attacks, like help you cope. Um, so yeah, I would just first and foremost realize that like you have control over your body. While you you may feel in the moment that you don't, you do. And just to be actively breathing and aware of, you can even like for me, it's it helps me to calm myself down is like, how do the breaths, the really deep, big breaths, how do they make me feel? And a lot of times in the moment, it'll be like, not very helpful. Like I'm still struggling, but you have to kind of talk yourself into, into this mindset, which I know how hard this can be, but talking yourself into a mindset of, I am okay. I don't have to be in fight or flight mode. I can calm myself down, think more logically. I can get through this and just reminding yourself because a lot of times panic attacks will like manifest itself in situations where you don't have confidence in your abilities, like your own abilities. Um, at least for me, that's been, that's been the case. And so to remind yourself, you can do hard things. You can get through something that's could be really bad. You can do it. And to realize that there is another side, like you don't have to be stuck in that. That's so important. But as far as it goes with helping somebody um, who experiences a panic attack, that can be really hard. Again, like I would say you really have to know the person. Um, but there are a couple like pretty straightforward tips that I have used when helping somebody else. Um, and a lot of times, especially people who do not like aren't familiar with anxiety, um, they won't realize what a panic attack is like they won't identify it. And I think identifying in a lot of a lot of different scenarios, but especially this one is one of the most important steps in being able to overcome it. 
So if you can identify your panic attack and realize that even though it does look different for different people, that it could still potentially be a panic attack and that someone may feel that they have zero control over um, their body and um, the way they act, that sort of thing to realize that you may see a different side of somebody um, who you're not used to seeing. And the most important thing I would say for you in the moment reacting to somebody else's is to keep a calm, like, I, what's the word? Um, presence about you, I guess. Um, just because since they're already not probably going to be in a super calm state of mind, thus why it's called panic attacks, um, for you to keep your calm and for you to stay grounded is so important because if you get worked up, chances are the person having the panic attack will get even more ramped up. And panic attacks can be really, really scary. And I'm not going to try to lie or sugarcoat it to be like, panic attacks are fine. And they're really not that big of a deal because that's not true. Panic attacks are really serious. Um, and I think a lot of people do not understand the severity of a panic attack. Um, and so just keep in mind that you should I don't know. This is how I think. Maybe maybe people will disagree, but I think that like seeing somebody else have a panic attack, realizing and kind of comparing it, obviously it's not the same as a heart attack or anything like that, but realizing that it is a serious it is a serious thing. And while they they might not like like okay, for a choking let's just use that for instance if you put that on the same level as choking usually people literally do not have control of whether or not they can breathe in that moment and that can be really scary but reminding someone in a panic attack that they do have the ability is really important because that's usually the first thing to go it's usually all all normally what we would consider like common sense goes out the window because you're in the flipped lid fight or flight mode to where like, I mean, sometimes this can be at a level of someone like in a war. Like I've seen that for different people um, who have been actually diagnosed with anxiety on a level of somebody fighting in a military battle. Like it's scary. So to think and to like downplay panic attacks, that's just not fair. And not to say that you are doing that if you're listening, um, and you have coped with panic attacks in the past. But I just think it's such a huge thing to realize that people's feelings are valid, even if they are reacting to a panic attack, like reacting to something that may seem minor. Um, so just keeping that in mind. Um, also, once again, just work through their whole breathing technique. That's again, one of the first things to go is the like the thought of like I can breathe. That's usually usually one of the first things to go because a lot of times you'll feel trapped and um, that can that can manifest in different ways. Um, but um, at the end of this article, I kind of just said, if you're someone who struggles with panic attacks or just general anxiety, I remind you that you're not alone. It can be challenging to open up about what you may be going through, but more often than not, if others see you as the person who opens up, they'll be willing to as well. And so I just think in conclusion, Take, if you're going to take anything from this, take the encouragement side. Um, the fact that you're not alone. Um, just don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone and talk to somebody about what you're going through. I think a lot of people 
tend to view opening up about your potentially bad mental state as a weakness is really discouraging and I think can cause a lot of people to not even want to think of potentially sharing with other people. But it actually, while people may downplay your feelings and tell you that they're not valid, they are valid and you do have you do deserve the right to be open about how you're feeling, whether or not somebody else views it as valid or not. Like, and that is huge. That is huge growth to be able to openly say, yes, I am struggling. I'm not okay. And while other people may see that as dramatic or whatever, just realize that that's huge growth for you personally. And like, just even for me, I just have to remind myself, like I am growing, even if people are negatively responding to the fact that I'm finally opening up about some hard things. If people don't have the response that I was looking for, just realizing that I don't need that. What really was the biggest part of the growth was me just being willing to take that first step and admit that I'm not okay. So Anyway, all that being said, I hope this was encouraging. I know it's kind of all over the place. I did not have an outline, so sorry that it was kind of crazy. Um, As far as my week goes, I know I talked about doing recaps at the beginning, but I kind of just forgot this episode. Um, Nothing super interesting. I went to a concert over the weekend. I got to skip school Tuesday, which was really fun. Um, I think a lot of people were kind of mad because they're like, we're all about to be on break. Like, why couldn't you come like the last day before break? And I was very much like, sorry, it was my dad's idea. Just kind of, but my parents were totally fine with it. They were like, yeah, it's really not that big of a deal because I didn't have any tests or quizzes. So they weren't really worried about it. So, but it was really fun. Other than that, I, nothing crazy happened. Um, just, just homework, which I should be doing for this week. But in my defense, we have two weeks to complete it. So I'm kind of not trying to stress myself out because UGA doesn't have fall break. So I'll still be having to do work for that next week as well. But I could potentially get all of my Scholars Guild work done this week and not have to worry about it. So anyway, okay, there's a little tiny weekly recap. I tried to make this episode under an hour. Sorry. Eventually, I feel like I'll get to the place where I can make them more like 30, 45 minutes. But um, as of right now, I think I just have too many thoughts. And, you know, me and my squirrel brain, that's kind of hard to condense all of them and make them seem logical. So anyway, but thank you guys for listening. I love you all so much. I hope that you've had an amazing week so far. I know it's Wednesday, so it's kind of a hard, a hard day to get through, but you got it. Um, tomorrow you can say you're more than halfway done through the week so that's something to look forward to i love you guys and tune in next week for episode seven love y'all